What if we could reimagine the traditional notion of a high flyer? Hey friends, welcome back. Welcome to the High Flyers podcast, where we do reimagine a high flyer, showcase relatable role models and their journey in work and life, including their sunrise, magic moments, hustle, and much, much more to help you achieve your potential, become your best self, and continue to be 1% better every single day. I'm your host, Viri Tagawal, and let's get started. If this is your first time joining us, I'm excited to have you, and thanks for making the time. If you're returning, welcome to a new segment on the High Flyers podcast called Curiosity Center. A number of you have asked for specialized episodes in addition to the existing episodes, so I've listened and I'm excited to get this going. So what is this segment about? Two things. One, shining a light on exciting brands, founders and leaders, showcasing the startup they're building, how they started, the unknowns and an inside view of the industry and what a career for you could look like. And secondly, unpacking specific topics. For example, Web3, crypto, medicine, transport, all in an intro for beginners format and give you the ABCs to get started. These Curiosity episodes will be available two to three times a month alongside the existing weekly episodes. And you'll also see certain episodes being sponsored. And I'll be very open about that. And as always, every episode will be candid and neutral. And I'd love for you to visit our website to find out more. The link is in the show notes. You see the readiness of the market to adopt that because you're seeing that happening now with the glucose space, right? So companies are starting to build on top of the medical device technologies that can monitor glucose in a continuous manner. But the technology to monitor any other target apart from glucose isn't out there yet. That's what we're building, right? So that's a key unlock in the space to move to that vision and and reality of a consumerization of healthcare, to move from a sick care system to a more preventative, proactive, actual healthcare system. That's Hitesh Mehta, co-founder of Neutromics, and welcome to episode four of this Curiosity series. Today's conversation is with Hitesh and Peter, the co-founders of Neutromics, taking you inside the future of health monitoring to prevent chronic disease. Neutromics' vision is to create a world with zero preventable deaths due to lack of timely molecular patient data. In this conversation, you'll learn how Peter and Hitesh turned the idea into reality, how the operation in the medical ecosystem works, their quest to revolutionize continuous molecular monitoring. For a medical novice like me, I really enjoyed learning about the drug vancomycin and its application, the potential size in the market they're playing in, the biggest threat they face, their biggest surprise to date, and the opportunity for their technology with wearable devices. Thank you to Neutromics for sponsoring this episode. I hope you're enjoying the Curiosity series to date. We've taken you inside education, publishing, books, leadership, and the recent episodes on medicine and technology. Please enjoy. Peter and Hitesh, welcome to the show. Thanks, Peter. Thanks for having us. Today, we're taking listeners inside Neutromics and the industry of medical technology to really unpack the what, why, how, when, and where. So maybe a good place to start, Pete, and I'll start with you, is what is Neutromics and what's the problem you're trying to solve? 
Uh, so Neutromics were a medtech company uh, where we've got a we're developing a a new technology that is a patch that can monitor any molecular target continuously and in real time. And it's basically uh, just to anchor your listeners to something they may already know. If you're familiar with continuous glucose monitors or CGMs, um, that, that's a technology that's used for diabetics. Um, and instead of pricking their finger, they wear a patch and it continuously monitors glucose. And it spawned companies like Dexcom, Medtronic, Abbott. Dexcom's a $50 billion company. That's all they do is this CGM. So it's a, it's a big deal. We are the evolution of that technology. And we say that because we can monitor far more than one thing. We can monitor any molecular target continuously and in real time. That technology, the CGM technology can't do that. So that opens up dozens and dozens of different verticals and problems that we can solve in healthcare. And so when we talk about transforming healthcare, that's what we mean by that, is that this truly has potential uh, and, and beyond potential because we're actually doing it, um, uh, opportunity to have an enormous impact in, in, in healthcare. A big purpose of doing this new segment is really to give the listeners an insight into the world of startups and what it means to create a startup. So Hitesh, maybe a question here is, I'm sure you had this idea early on, like how did you turn it into reality? Can you give us a bit of a sense of the early days? Did you go through an accelerator? Did you bootstrap early on? What were those early days like? Yeah, so when we met, Peter and I were tackling similar sort of challenges, but from a different um, aspect, right? So from a problem perspective. Um, and in the early days, after we started to work together on this, um, we did look at how do we get some early validation of the problem we're trying to solve. And, and one of the options we did select was a accelerator. So there was a medical device and technologies, healthcare specific accelerator that was starting up in Australia at the time called the Actuator. And so we spent the first couple of weeks and months um, just preparing and perfecting a pitch for that. And that was a form of early validation, getting accepted into that accelerator uh, with the idea and the, the problem we're trying to solve. And we, we've had a few pivots along the way. We've never been shy to really seriously stress test the challenge, the problem, as well as the solution and pivot when necessary. So we did that a couple of times during the actuator program. Um, and we have also done that from a technology approach perspective to find the right fit for the problem we're trying to solve. Um, and now that we've, we've found that we've been rapidly scaling and building out the team to accelerate the development and the commercialization work. Uh, we've got you know the right ladder on the right wall, so to speak. We spent a lot of time perfecting that and, and focusing on that. And now we're really looking to scale that into a commercial solution. And I think the other aspect people will be curious about is the industry you operate in. And Pete, you touched on some of the medical terminology there. It sounds very niche and very specific. Now, there might be listeners who are coming out of university or, or who are already in their professional career considering a career in your industry. Can you give us a lens into what the industry is and, and just give us a big kind of big picture view into the industry? Sure, yeah. So um, this is the medical device industry. So think about all the places where you may have uh, seen or used a medical device. Many of them are going to be in hospitals. So you're in hospital and think about all the devices that you see in a hospital and how important they are, especially if you're a patient, you're you're relying on these to sometimes even save your life. Um, so these are life-saving devices. 
Um, but they're not just in hospitals. They're also um, outpatient uh, settings. So uh, a big trend in medical technology has been remote patient monitoring. Okay. So how do you actually, how do you actually facilitate looking after patients outside the four walls of the hospital? Because patients prefer it. They get better outcomes. It's cheaper. It's actually one of those unique things where everyone wants the same thing, but it needs technology to facilitate it because you need to be able to still treat patients but do it in the comfort of their own home. So, so that's a little bit of a flavor of the settings, you know, inpatient, outpatient. Um, and there's a whole gamut of different uh, technologies here. You know, I talked about CGMs. That's a medical technology. Hmm. Um Anything that's got to go through a regulatory process, so in the, F in the US it's FDA or in Australia it's TGA, um, that process is the, is the lifeblood, I suppose, in some respects of what we do because we've got to make sure it's safe and effective and that's what the FDA and TGA are looking at. So we have to do all these, all these tricks and balances. We have to do trials and a whole range of things to make sure that by the time it gets to the patient, that everyone's confident that that is safe and it works. Just to add to that, you know, one of the nuances to be aware of in, for our industry, it could be as simple as a Band-Aid or a crutch or, or as complicated as a, a pacemaker that gets implanted in a patient's heart that's regulated. And a nuance in the medical field is the buyer isn't always the customer or the user and the buyers can be very, very different stakeholders. So you have to manage that very carefully. You're, Patients are going to be the ultimate users of the device, but it's the insurance companies or the hospital administrators who are actually paying for the device. And you need to make sure you hit both of those stakeholders and they keep paying. You, Vidit, you mentioned, you know, um, you know, if the audience here is someone looking to come into this industry to get a flavor of it, you know, one thing I'd say that is really important to everyone that works in our company, and I think this industry as a whole, is that we're saving lives, right? We're, we're actually doing things that makes people's lives better. Mm. There's not that many industries you can say that. You know, there's, mm. you know, there's, uh, there's a whole lot of range of things out there that are important that help us in a whole range of ways. But, boy, we work in something that's super, super important. You know, when we, when we talk about what's important in our lives, in our families' lives, kids, mums, dads, health, and, and we want to know that when things turn south that we're getting good care. And the bedrock of that is medical devices that when you go into a hospital you're getting the best possible care and you're getting technologies that can help and then and that's what we do we we work in an industry where everyone is 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 focused on on how do we improve patient outcomes yeah that's the number one thing i think one point i'm curious to double click on hitesh you mentioned earlier about the ecosystem and the relationship with the buyers and the customer and the hospital system can you tell us about the operation that's involved like who do you sell the product to how is it made particularly a medical device there's a lot of operational supply chain logistics behind it how does that work if you can give us a quick overview yeah, so with our particular technology, we're looking to manufacture ourselves. Because of the innovation and, and the novelty involved and the core IP, we're actually going to be setting up our own manufacturing. It allows us to keep a tight control on the quality aspects and, and produce a product that's going to hit the market on the right specifications around accuracy, control, and so forth. Right? Others may, may look at a device and say, well, we can use a contract manufacturer, but you have to have certain quality standards that are met. 
And we chose that what was the best path for our company was to look at building that in-house. Right. The, the other aspects are we're, we're building deeper and deeper relationships and understanding of the patient profile. It starts with the patient. You have to be patient-centric. Right. But the decision makers are your doctors, your clinicians. They're the ones who are going to put this device in on a patient and are going to use the data that comes out of this device in informed clinical decision making. Right? That's the core problem we're solving for these decision makers. And the third stakeholders, just broad groups, right, are the buyers, right? Who are actually going to say, yes, this de device actually delivers value. It saves lives, but it also delivers um, value for the healthcare system in cost savings, in benefits that we don't have long-term impacts on patients' health and well-being that's going to cost us significant dollars over the life of a patient. So we agree that we should pay for this device because it's creating so much additional value. You know, there's an ROI aspect that's really critical. There's a lot of healthcare problems that you can work on. You know, as Peter referred to, in our field, you are helping to save lives. But the companies that make it through, the companies that succeed, the technologies that are actually adopted are the ones that also prove that they can help save significant dollars or they can help improve the, the cost of delivering healthcare. Just to give an example of what Tesh said, and um, so our first market is therapeutic drug monitoring of, of a drug called vancomycin. It's really problematic. Um, it, it, sixty percent of the doses don't hit the therapeutic range. Ten to twenty percent of patients get a toxic dose, often leading to an acute kidney injury. So let's just look at that acute kidney injury. So if a patient gets an acute kidney injury, the cost of care goes up twenty thousand dollars per patient. Now there's numerous things that can go wrong when they can't dose this drug correctly, but that's just one of them, $20,000. And that's just the immediate cost impact in the hospital. There's then the ongoing cost impacts for that patient throughout their life. Yeah, the risk of chronic kidney disease once you have an AKI event is radically increased. So just to give you a bit of flavor, that that's that's one slither of, of the value in one area that we can provide. And there are literally hundreds beyond that so mm. it's when you really unpack it um you know there is a lot of a lot of inefficiency that goes on in in medicine and in hospitals driven for a whole host of reasons um you know it, it is ripe for innovation and i'm keen to ask a follow-up on that i i spoke to some of my friends in the healthcare system and they've given me a question here and they're curious does your technology save the healthcare system money by managing people as outpatients who would have otherwise been inpatient? Yeah, so that's a great question, right? And and this is why we're so excited by the technology we're building, because there's dozens and dozens of applications where we can apply the technology. And outpatient monitoring is a huge area of interest. And that's where the trend is also moving in the US system and globally to support payment for remote patient monitoring uh, technologies which can help manage patients from the comfort of their home. You know, we're not starting there with the first product because the first product is gonna be inpatient. There's a critical element for vancomycin dosing, um, which is it's often dosed in inpatient settings because it is a life and death situation. You, know, you need to make sure these patients are being dosed effectively because it could be hours or days and they need critical care. So we're starting in that. We're building the technology to work across the spectrum. It can work inpatient, it can work outpatient. But broader use cases, to give you an example, you know, organ transplant patients often have to relocate 
to be closer to the hospital system because for the first year or so of their life, they need regular monitoring. They need to come in for the first few months, almost every week, to be checked by the doctor, to have blood work done, and then on a regular basis ongoing. And this is something that impacts them for, for the rest of their lives. You need to know the earliest possible signs of organ rejection. Now, on our technology, we can build a remote patient monitoring patch, which can monitor key markers like creatinine for organ rejection and for many, many other dozens of applications that allows you to get that same level of care from the comfort of your home, no matter where you are in the world. You don't have to relocate. You don't have to be away from your friends and family. You know, the, 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 um, the, the reason why we call this revolutionizing healthcare is because what technologies like ours allows is to unlock that reliance on that infrastructure that exists today. If you're not close to that infrastructure, if you're not close to the hospitals, to the pathology labs, you don't get access to the same level of healthcare. We can help improve that significantly no matter where you are in the world. You mentioned um, the drug vancomycin, and I actually did some research prior to this because it was all new to me. And one of the things I came across was I think most people generally need six weeks worth of vancomycin. How do you balance that through your technology and is it worth the cost? It's about eight days is the average treatment. Um, some longer depending upon you know what the condition is. But typically it's a, yeah, it's about eight day treatment on, on average, right? Um, so the, yeah, so our patch, um, we, our technology can last multi, multiple days, right? Before it needs to be replaced. Um, however, for the first market, we need 24 hours. So we already have that. We know we have stability well beyond that. The reason it's 24 hours is it needs to work in with current uh, workflows. So because of that, it makes sense to replace the patch once a day. Mm. And we, can, we know we can do that. But, the, app, but the, the longer that our patch lasts, the cheaper it becomes, right? Because you're, you've got a certain cost for a product. And if your product lasts twice as long, then per day, um, it's half the cost, right, in terms of cog, the, the cogs. So, so what it does is that it opens up other markets, right? So as we move from five days to, to 10 days to 15 to 20, what it means is that there's a user experience improvement, right? And it also means we can do outpatient settings more effectively. So people that are, as Hitesh's example, if you're a kidney transplant patient, um, you don't want to be trans- changing your patch every day you might want to have it have it on for a, a week or two weeks hmm. um, because that's more convenient. Um, similar to the CGMs. CGMs at the moment are, have a duration of two weeks, um, like the, the Freestyle Libra, for example. Hmm. So so that's that's where we're going. We've already got you know pretty good duration, more than what we need for the first application, but always looking to push the boundary and expand that um, as far out as we can. Yeah, just to add to that, often a problem with vancomycin dosing, especially for those patients who need it for much, much longer setting is that you need to have them potentially in hospital, right? So that means they're taking up a bed. So you've got the critical needs, which are, you know, those eight day on average therapy uh, windows. And if they're getting better, do you keep them in hospital? Do you send them home? How do you manage them? These are the challenges that the healthcare system grapples with, right? Whereas if you have the patch for remote patient monitoring, you can, once they're stable and, and, able, you can discharge them because you can monitor them from home. You don't have to have them taking up a hospital bed that another patient who's critical could use. Right? 
that's the advantages. If you have somebody who's who's there and needs much, much longer doses of vancomycin, again, you can dose them safely from the comfort of their home. You don't have to have them come into a nurse clinic or into a hospital to be dosed. Because the reason why that happens today is because the technology doesn't exist to monitor the drug levels. Right? You, today, the standard of care is you're getting a data point once every 12 hours. We are offering a technology solution that gives you data points once every few minutes. We can even make it once every few seconds, but it just the, the, the paradigm completely shifts, shifts in terms of how you can deliver that clinical care. Thanks for clarifying that. So I think at this point, we've given the listeners a bit about what you do, why you do it, and the potential. I'm curious to talk about the commercial aspect, and, and, and Pete, you alluded to it earlier. At the end of the day, you are a business, and you, you've got investors, and you've got employees you need to pay their salaries for. Um, tell me about the size of the market here. Like, What are we talking about for a potential investor listening to this or a curious mind? How big can this scale into for Neutromics? Yeah, so let me start with vancomycin, and then we'll broaden out from there so mm. you've got the big picture. So vancomycin, the cost of vancomycin, including the, um, the, the issues around acute kidney injury, around, um, uh, only, you know, we mentioned that 60% of doses don't hit the therapeutic range. There is a cost there. So th- there is about a $5 billion cost in the market as due to an inability to dose that drug effectively. Now, we're talking, just to put this in perspective, 6.3 million Americans get dosed this drug every year. One in five of all inpatients in U.S. hospitals get do- gets dosed with vancomycin. It's the number one administered IV antibiotic um, in, in the world. So, so you can this is this is used very broadly. And there, and we when we talk to clinicians and we say, if you could monitor anything continuously and in real time, what would you want? And the number one thing we get back is, if you could help us dose vancomycin better that would be the number one thing we want, right? There is a market pull. This is not a solution looking for a problem. This is a burning problem and this is a solution. Um, so you can imagine if you put yourself in the shoes of a clinician and, and 60%, you've got someone with a life-threatening bacterial infection. They might have sepsis or MR, MRSA. Mm. You need to get them in this therapeutic zone super fast. And you, you've got extremely limited data 60% of your doses don't even hit that range. And by the way, you've got a 10 to 20% chance of giving them a toxic dose, which just now they've come in with one problem. Now you've just given them another problem. It's one of the top 10 killers in hospital is AKI. You can imagine why they are looking for a solution, right? So that's so just to give you an idea of pull, right? There is a there is a strong pull for a solution here. There's even guidelines that have been um, put out just recently. They said the way that we dose at the moment is not um, acceptable. This is called trough dosing. And that they recommend what's called area under the curve dosing, which means lots of blood draws. 84% of hospitals don't follow it because it's impractical. They can't. It's too difficult. So you can understand from the hospital administrators their, their problem, from a, a, a clinician's point, their problem. They're, they're, they're causing harm sometimes inadvertently, but that, 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 that's what happens. From a cost point of view, there's lots of drivers to solve this problem. So, um, so, the, so the, the opportunity is a $5 billion market opportunity. Now, this is one sensor 
right, for one market. So I say that because our technology can do multi-analyte sensing. So we can put 15, 20 different sensors on the one patch, and we can stream data for 15, 20 different molecular targets. That's unprecedented. We come from a world with what we have a, a CGM that does one thing, and, and, and there's a company that's worth $50 billion just doing that one thing. We're moving to a technology that can, that can do 15, 20 at the same time. And this is scalable. The unit economics for us to produce a new sensor is, is incredibly um, economical compared to the current system right now. So we've already done a dozen, but we're moving to, to hundreds, a catalog of hundreds of sensors. Mm -hmm. Right now, in the last 40 years of this whole industry, there's been five sensors that have ever been developed and proven to work on body. We've doubled it in four years because we have a, this is a platform technology that's scalable, and now we're amping that up to hundreds, and then we are going to be bringing though lots of those, not all of them, but we're going to be bringing an increasingly large number to market to solve dozens of problems in the healthcare system, and that's how we do this at scale, right? And so we are moving now to a, to a much larger raise, to a fifty to hundred million dollar raise imminently. And we're, we're talking to all the major marquee medtech VCs. We already have VCs on, on our cap table. But this is a, we're going at scale here because, because there will be a platform technology that will dominate this market. This is a little bit like search was in the 90s. Everyone's moving in this direction for obvious reasons. Mm. And we want to be the leader in that space. We have techno technological advantage and we're taking advantage of that and really scaling this so we can fulfill the true potential of this technology. So I just—I know it's, I've gone and gone around a little bit here to answer your question, but I—but I wanted to start off with the first market because all roads lead through that, and, and there is there is a significant opportunity there. But that is step one of a much bigger picture here, um, where we're taking this technology. And so if right at the start, this goes brings it full circle. We talked about transforming healthcare. These are some of the reasons why we don't think that's hyperbole. We think that's bona fide because we can deliver upon this and we are delivering upon it. I want to touch on the flip side of that as well. And maybe Hitesh, this one might be for you. As part of your scalability and that go-to-market, what's the biggest risk? Like what's the biggest threat? And I'm sure investors ask you this question, but for listeners who are wondering, there's all, with any business, there's always exciting parts and there's certain parts that you're trying to fix and solve. Mm -hmm. Is there one challenge or threat that, that occupies your mind? Yeah, so uh, your listeners need to understand that building a medical technologies company is is a long road. You know, there, there's a lot of much easier startups you can do or faster startups you can do. This is a long road with a, with a very big reward at the end of it. So the one thing we constantly scan for is, you know, who else is emerging in the space? Who else is potentially building technology that could compete with what we're building? You know, and that sort of time horizon. Because we know it's going to be that race. As Peter alluded to, there's a lot of companies looking to move into the space and start to build that platform. It is going to be a race to who captures significant market share um, and launches um, and builds that momentum, right? And, and we plan to be that, into that company. So that's a key aspect for us. IP technology um, focus is, is very strong. The other thing which is important to, to also know and, and being the painful learning to date for us to a degree is 
you know, product market fit in the medical space is really hard. It's not like you can just test a product, you know, do a soft launch, have a lot of mistakes in it, and then iterate. People's lives matter here, and, and it's critical that you do a lot of that early work to build the right product market fit. Because once you start to look at scaling, so manufacturing, regulatory, quality controls, clinical trials, there's millions and millions of dollars you need to spend on getting that right. So you have to be critical, uh, critically assess your product market fit and regularly assess your product market fit. We've got a couple of minutes left and I want to do a quick rapid fire round because I've got a few questions that I'd be curious for your perspective on. What's been your biggest surprise and question to either of you so far as a founder on your journey? Like what surprised you the most either about building the business or scaling it? I always knew the, the mission and the vision were powerful. For Hitesh it's always been our driver. Yeah. But I, I suppose I never really truly appreciated um, how it would resonate with others. So I'll give you an example. So the the, the, the medical director of Abbott, um, Abbott's one of the biggest companies in this space, um, is now joining us as a chief medical officer. Um, and, and the reason being is this, that what we do resonates so strongly. So th- when you think of that, that is a big big coup like that that's a it's an enormously responsible role in a in one of the biggest companies in this space um and and he's joining us for not not for financial reasons because we're paying more he's joining us because of the vision and the mission and his belief in our ability to execute on it yeah and that has been that that's sometimes a moment where we pinch ourselves going wow we got we've got some we got found you know founders of companies that are joining us that, that seek us out that want to be a part of this journey um these are these are asx listed companies in biosensing two of them have now we are with us right so that has been a little bit surprising and but it but it but really satisfying yeah. in the same token it's, it's a very humbling experience right going through that and and i echo what peter said i think it's important for your listeners to understand because they may get the impression that we've been in the space for a long time neither of us has a medical device background right we started with an idea and a, and a passion for wanting to have an impact, but also the great, the resilience, the persistence to stick with it, and that growth mindset to learn the industry, the technologies and space. And the key thing we've focused heavily on is setting that vision, but also finding the right talent, growing that team who can execute on it. And it is very humbling to, to see the caliber of the talent that we've been able to attract. Last one, I know from being a user myself and things like smartwatches, health data, we know companies like Apple are playing a big role in it. Is there potential for your products to be available in that format through a smartwatch or a wearable technology on a day-to-day basis? Imagine a world where we can wear a patch and we can know the very early on or the instant we get a disease state because we have an early molecular signature before symptoms ever appear, months, weeks before they ever appear, when it's imminently more treatable. The notion that we wait for people to get sick and then treat them is insane. Mm. It's what it is, right? It, it doesn't make any sense. In No matter how you look at it, it doesn't make any sense, right? So, But what's lacking is an ability to help people to truly do prevention. How do you, this the how. How do you do prevention, right? Mm. So we're starting off in acute settings, we're being proactive, we're, we're improving how drugs are delivered, we're, we're moving in those sorts of directions. But the big picture here 
which is fulfilling the vision that we actually had from the get-go, is to move this into a mass market, a consumer mass market. So this technology is going to generate the world's biggest biological database because you can imagine if you're streaming dozens and dozens of molecular sensors from millions of people, it doesn't take much imagination to, to see that you're going to generate an enormous database. You see the readiness of the market to adopt that because you're seeing that happening now with the glucose space, right? So companies are starting to build on top of the medical device technologies that can monitor glucose in a continuous manner. But the technology to monitor any other target apart from glucose isn't out there yet. That's what we're building, right? So that's a key unlock in the space to move to that vision and, and reality of a consumerization of healthcare, to move from a sick care system to a more preventative, proactive, actual healthcare system where you can get those early indicators and you can do something about it before you get into such a position, such a critical position that you enter, have to end up in hospital. Right? That's what drives us. That's what drives everyone who comes and joins the company. You know, the ability to create this level of fast data and big data on not just an individual, but also at a population level is is exciting exciting indeed unfortunately that's the finish line we will have to wrap it up there and thank you so much for taking us inside neutromics and the industry you're playing in and wish you all the very best and keep in touch thanks for it thanks for it thank you to peter and hitesh for providing us a well-rounded view on their startup neutromics and how they are creating a world with zero preventable debts due to the lack of timely molecular patient data if you enjoyed this episode, can I ask you to give us a rating and review on your podcast app and stay tuned for the next episode where we take you inside another interesting industry.